Hi, my name is Brian, and I'm a disgruntled teacher, and I'm teaching during COVID-19. And this is my podcast. There. I said it. So there I said it. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. It has been a couple of days since I've recorded, and I have to say that I do miss doing this. Uh, I've been doing a thing over the last few days where I have just kind of, I've gone off of social media. I just felt like it was time for a break. You know, every once in a while I think you just need to detox yourself and go off of Facebook and Instagram, those sites like that, just to kind of clear your mind of things and, and get your life back. And I've been reading this book, and it's called Digital Minimalism, Choosing a Focused Life in a Noisy World. And it's written by Cal Newport. And it has just all kinds of great tips on it and and, and things on, you know, focusing on what is important in your life as opposed to... And it's not talking about dumping all technology. It's talking about basically choosing which technology that you want to use and use it for a purpose in your life. And I'm going to read a a little snippet from the book here uh, from Digital Minimalism. Again, it says, The problem is that small changes are not enough to solve our big issues with new technologies. The underlying behaviors we hope to fix are ingrained in our culture, and as I argued in the previous chapter, they're backed by powerful psychological forces that empower our base instincts To re-establish control, we need to move beyond tweaks and instead rebuild our relationship with technology from scratch, using our deeply held values as a foundation. And in reading that, it, it really makes me think hard about the way that I use technology in my classroom. You know, this seems really, really odd to say this, and, and anybody that knows me would know that, uh, you know, that's the teacher that said that his class is 90 to 95% digital in his classroom, and, you know, he brags about doing almost all of it digital, or almost all of it virtual, and, you know, a week ago me would have said, go for it, but as I start to look and, and, and ponder about our society and the way that we, we look at technology, it starts just starting to see a big decline in our society. Uh, I watched this Sunday, uh, it was the real world, or not the real world, it was uh, Life with Lisa Ling on CNN. And, you know, she visited a, uh, a, a men's prison and took some students there. Uh, but that wasn't the episode I was thinking about. It was the second episode, uh, right after it, where she met with some boys that were troubled youth and they went to basically a weekend retreat getaway to become a man and it was just talking about how much time children spend on technology and how it is rewiring their brains so it really kind of makes me think not only of myself but of my son and, and of my classroom as a teacher you know with my classroom and I started, you know, looking on the web, scouring the internet, ironically, you know, trying to get off of the internet. I look on the internet for information, and, you know, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, 
well, this is defeating the purpose. I want to get off of the internet. But then I started, I found this book, Digital Minimalism, and I started reading it. And basically what it's stating is, no, we're not getting rid of technology. We're finding the technology that works for us, and it's working because of us for a purpose. And I think all too often, you know, we pick this this digital medium that we use, and we go with it, and we don't really know what it's for. You know, I, I'm, I'm guilty as a teacher uh, of just, you know, finding a new technology and just going with it. Just like, yeah, I like this. I, you know, I really do like Nearpod. But I, you know, using it in, in moderation, I think, is the key. And not using it every single day, all day long. But using it in moderation. Using it for a purpose that you need to use it for. I think that's the important thing that we, that we need to look at here. Um, you know, again, the definition of digital minimalism, it talks about, uh, here it is from the book, a philosophy of technology use in which you focus your online time on a small number of carefully selected and optimized activities that strongly support things that you value and then happily miss out on everything else. And if you really think about that, really really break down that definition, to me it's saying we have this plethora of stuff that we can use. And a lot of us just want to use it all. But it's saying take little pieces of it and say, does this value what I'm trying to accomplish? If it doesn't, and it's taking away more, then get rid of it. Now, thinking of it from a classroom perspective, you know, I... Like I said, I've used technology, and sometimes I used it just for technology's sake. I'm just like, yeah, do your math assignment here on Cami, and you know, turn it in. And, you know, that's so cool. You don't have to use paper. But then I started realizing some kids are missing out on the part that they need the paper with. They need to be able to write down things and think things out. They should have to do that. And they need to do that. So you know, using it in that ideal is is not the ideal way to use it in the classroom. Now, if you're doing it from a virtual format where the kids are at home or you're at school, well, that's probably okay. But using it in the classroom, to me, it's kind of taking that out of, 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 the, of the fact that they can use the paper and pencils and turn that stuff in. Uh, so I've pulled back from that. I've pulled back from having them, them do things on Cami or even on Nearpot. You know, we, uh, we were doing Nearpod so many t- times in a row. And in one of my podcasts talks about how cool Nearpod is. And it's very cool. And it's a very neat tool to use sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. You know, if we're doing an Amplify uh, assignment for our language and we're reading about Don Quixote. And, you know, our, the workbook that they have have these, you know, high level, level two, level three type questions, depth of knowledge questions. And... I was taking it and putting it in Nearpod, and then they were typing out their answers. But, you know, to me, again, that was using technology just for the sake of using technology. And some of that, where they were thinking about an answer, got lost in how do I type this out? Because it comes second nature to most of us to write something down. But to type it, we have to think about the letters. And so I think I was taking a little bit of that away. So we've moved back to the workbook portion of it and having them actually write stuff down. 
you know, I was having them do a lot of typing assignments where, you know, had, they had writing assignments and they were typing those out. But then I was realizing there wasn't a whole lot of substance there. They were just typing for the sake of typing up so many lines and filling it in. So we've moved back to the writing portion of it where they actually have to handwrite it. They have to think about what they're writing and take the time to think that. Now, one aspect that I think technology has actually is working in favor of me right now, and, and I think it's, it's, it's part of that definition that I read earlier about, you know, uh, optimize activities that strongly support things that I value, is the audiobook. You know, I mean, we're in a, a digital age where, um, you know, we, if you're driving a car or if you're, you know, laying in bed or something and, and it's dark, you can listen to an audiobook instead of actually, you know, having a book open and reading it. And you're still getting the idea. You're still listening for the comprehension kind of things. So I thought, here's an idea. I have started making my own audiobooks uh, with the books that I use. And, of course, I don't put them, you know, uh, public. So, you know, copyright-wise, you know, it's, it's, it's just with me and my students, and that's it. And I read the book. And what's cool about YouTube is when you record you know, I usually record it on something like Anchor here, and then I'll upload it into uh, Wii Video and create, put my own kind of background music or background sounds in it, because right now I'm doing the Island of the Blue Dolphins, and I have like oceans playing in the background, or war music, or battle music, or sad music when somebody dies. But what's cool about it is when you put it on YouTube, it will close caption it for you. So the words that I'm saying will actually show up on the screen. And I told the kids, I say, hey, it's okay if you're not holding a book in front of you because the words are right there. You're reading that. You're listening to it. You're, you're, you're making that connection to the words and, and the sound association. That's perfect. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to engage the students in the, in the act of reading, in the love of reading, by drawing them into that different uh, medium of, of just opening a book and reading it because a lot of them won't do that. So adding the sound effects in there has actually increased... Uh, entertainment value and understanding of the book because they were looking forward to actually hearing that portion of the book. And, and that, I thought that was really cool. So I think that kind of backs the definition of digital minimalism in the fact that, you know, I'm carefully selecting and optimizing activities and programs that I'm using that supports the things I value, which is trying to get kids to love reading. And it's doing that. You know, I understand some kids just want to read a book. And that's fine. Some kids just want to read the book, and they got that option, of course. But in this sense, I'm using digital minimalism. I'm using actually using digital technology resources in my teaching. But like I said with Nearpod earlier, I was just using it for the sake of, hey, this is cool, type up your answers, it makes it easier on me to grade. You know, that's just using it for the sake of using it. So... Hey, babe, have you heard of a salon? Yeah. How about a beauty shop? Sure. What about a boutique? Well, of course. Yeah, but have you heard of a broutique? Okay, what is that? <laughs> well, let me tell you. Chris Atchison at DNA Designs, he has created this all-new broutique. It's a store inside of his shop that caters to, you guessed it, bros. They have like bro-based stuff like graphic tees from old businesses of Bedford. Places I've never heard of, but places like Pleasers and Racks. Racks? I used to work there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This isn't about you. It's about the bros, Carrie. The Brotique will also have men's grooming supplies and beard care items. <laughs> I know I love my beard being well cared for. And they will all have like sorts of stuff that they say like, Hey, I'm a man. 
So come on down to DNA Designs in Bedford, Indiana at 2831 U Street and check out the new Brotique. So, you know, this argument sounds absurd. This is in the writing here uh, to digital minimalists because, you know, they believe that the best digital life is formed by carefully curating their tools to deliver massive and ambiguous benefits. Uh, They tend to be incredibly wary of low-value activities that can clutter up their time and attention and end up hurting more than they help. So putting it another way, minimalists don't mind missing out on the small things. What worries them much more is diminishing the large things they already know for sure make, you know, make a good life good. And I think that's what a lot of us need to think about in our teaching, in our lives. Just stepping back and looking at why is it that we're clicking on Facebook? Why is it that we're clicking on Instagram? Why are we checking the likes? Why are we checking the amount of views that we have? Why are we doing that? That's the thing that we really need to look at. That's the thing that we really need to focus on of, of why we're doing that and, and, and maybe pulling ourselves away from that. Because if we look at the definition to digital minimalism, we're losing value in our lives because we're worrying about what other people care, what other people think. And I think a lot of people have said that they use Facebook because they want to keep in touch with people. And this book talks about that, how originally when Facebook started, people wanted to uh, keep up with you know, high school friends or you know, ex-girlfriends or ex-boyfriends or whatever. And, and, and in theory, that was a good idea. But now, you know, it, just the engineering of, our, of the mind, you know, the, 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 the engineers who, who develop these programs are really studying human nature and, and what makes us tick. Not, not the tick like my Tourette syndrome, but what makes humans tick. And, and seeing that like button, seeing someone that likes our stuff, pulls us in more and more and more. And all we want to do is, is look at that and say, ooh, somebody likes me. Or, you know, me, me checking to see how many, view, or how many listens that this podcast has. Ooh, that many people like me. And it pulls you in more and more and wants you to do this more and more. So I think we need to step back and say, is that really something I value in life? Am I wasting time? Because I know I'm guilty of it myself. I, I, I go back and, and I, I've probably looked at my Facebook page, you know, last week alone. Every day I probably get on there 50, 60 times just checking it. Is that helping me in my life? No. A lot of times it depresses me because I look at that and I think, well, somebody didn't like that post. I thought it was really cool. I thought that was you know awesome that, I, that that happened to me, and but nobody liked it. So, you know, let's step back and really think to ourselves is what we're doing on these social media platforms of value to our lives? Is it wasting time in our lives? Are we using our life to the best ability that we have? Are we doing that in the classroom? Are we using technology for the kids or are we using it uh, for us? You know, think about, you know, how do you implement it in your classroom? How are the kids re- accepting it? Are they doing good with it? Are they doing fine with it? I don't know. But I think as, as teachers, we need to look back and we, need, and we look at, you know, take a step back and look at it and say, okay, is this working for the kids? Is this what they need to do? And, and sometimes I don't, again, <laughs> a lot of people listening might say, this guy, he's talking about, he wants to go virtual. This guy is a Chromebook guy. Yes, I am. But I'm starting to pull back and say, I don't know. Uh, let's put the Chromebooks up. Let's not use the Chromebooks. We can do virtual learning without the Chromebooks even. We can do it just, you know, a little bit of using the Chromebooks a day 
why not just record all your lessons? Record your math lessons. Have you teaching it. Have the kids come in every once in a while on a Google Meet. And, you know, all these things could work if we tried to let them work. If we, if we really sat back and decided, hey, this is what the kids need. This is what I need for my life. There. I said it. So there are cities.